Razorback fans, welcome to the Hogbeat Hour brought to you by Hogbeat.com, the Arkansas site, and the Rivals Network. I'm Nikki Chavanel here with Andrew Hutchinson. The Razorbacks are coming off a massive, massive win over number six, Alabama. It was an 81 to 66 victory last night in Bud Walton Arena. Hutch, you were our man in the building there last night. Just give me uh, the environment of last night because through the TV, it sounded like there were a lot more people there. And I guess, you know, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, I mean, it, it did sound like there were more than 4,400 fans at Bud Walton Arena. I, I wish it was a normal year because they probably would have been able to pack 20,000 in there. And it probably would have been, you know, one of those special nights that, you know, we talk about for years to come. Uh, but even, even without that, I think it was a really good environment. There were times where it got really, really loud. Uh, you know, the loose ball that, that Moses Moody came up with and got it to Justin Smith for a big dunk. I mean, I, it brought the roof down. It, it was it was awesome. Uh, the the atmosphere was was great. Uh, you know, Musselman was all into it after afterward. You know, the team came over and celebrated in front of the uh, student section. Not in the student section. They they stayed six feet away. Uh, they they abided by the rules, but they were all fired up. And Eric Musselman, man, I thought he was gonna pop a blood vessel or something like that. He was going nuts. You know, run, he like sprinted into the <laughs> into the tunnel after after they were done celebrating he was he was fired up yeah you mentioned on twitter that like during the game sometimes you know usually we'll see him like trying to fire up the crowd but during the game he was he was so tuned in to like what was going on and and then that's a little bit different but after he definitely was able to take advantage of the celebration yeah he let loose after the game but yeah you're right during the game uh, there was a timeout it was right after, uh, not too long after that Justin Smith dunk and, you know, the crowd was going nuts and, you know, there was a timeout, media timeout. And that's usually uh, when you see Eric Musselman kind of walk out to the middle of the court and raise his arms to, to kind of, you know, ag on the crowd. And, uh, but I, I looked for him whenever that timeout was called because I expected that to happen. I couldn't find him. And I looked back over where, like, the team usually huddles during the timeout. They got those little stools they bring out on the court. And he was already sitting there by himself with his board, furiously jotting something down. Uh, so it looked like he was drawing something up and was just really locked in. So that was kind of a, a little neat observation that I noticed uh, during the game. This was the first ranked-on-ranked ranked matchup in Bud Walton since 1998. That is just so unbelievable. Like, I was, I was telling that to Ben last night, and he was like, wait, what? He he just couldn't believe that was the case. I'm like, yeah, just I don't know why, but there have been plenty of other ranked on ranked matchups for the Hogs since then, but they've all happened to be on the road. So to to have this opportunity for a new generation of Razorback fans to be able to see something like that um, and get to experience the hype of you know what Arkansas basketball has been in its heyday is a really special thing for for fans and I know fans who were you know older than four years old like we were back then uh, <laughs> it was it was a flashback to that time and I feel like they deserve it after everything that Razorback athletics in general has been through. Yeah I mean the, the fans have gone through the Stan Heath years the John Pelfrey years you know Mike Anderson kind of started building it up and he had a couple of ranked teams that uh, it just never lined up on the schedule where they were playing another really good team and and when they did it was either on the road or on a neutral side or something like that uh, but so it, it takes a little bit of luck uh, but you'd like to think that if Arkansas can get consistently good under Eric Musselman where they're constantly in the top 25 uh, these type of matchups will, will start happening more frequently but they still don't come along very often, maybe once a year. Uh, I mean, even, you know, before 98, you know, the first, I want to say, five years of Bud Walton Arena's existence, there were only six top 25 matchups. So, and that was during Arkansas's heyday. So, it, it, they don't come along very often. So, you kind of have to cherish them when they do happen. I posted a contest on the Hogbeat message board last night before the game, uh, you know, 
classic get a few months free predict the score tiebreaker is you know team team scoring leader no one was even close which is so rare because usually there's always one person who just has like a an outrageously positive view of what's going to happen and no one was close like i think the the biggest lead someone chose was was eight points so it's it it's crazy like there wasn't a lot of hope going into this game and i even think that a lot of people were like downplaying how important this game was so that if arkansas lost they wouldn't be as heartbroken but i think now more people are going to be willing to admit that this really was like a a program defining win you know pretty early into musselman's tenure oh the kool-aid is flowing now I mean, people are, are Let me excited. put my cup down real you know, quick. We, we, yeah, we, 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 we talked about how it was the first top 25 matchup since 98. Well, the next one that Arkansas fans are going to want to uh, snap is the first Sweet 16 since 96. Uh, that, that, that's going to be the next thing on the list. Now, it could all come crashing down. You know, LSU is a pretty good team, even though they have you know, struggled. They got blown out by Georgia, which is surprising. Uh, but still, they're, they're a quality team that crushed Arkansas last time around. Uh, and even the South Carolina game on the road is, is not going to be easy. And who knows if they get a game after that. So it, it's tough. I know everyone's looking forward to the NCAA tournament. You know, can they make a run? What seed are they going to get? But, uh, you know, it, Eric Musselman, after the game, he was asked about uh, if he thought that they had done enough to clinch a bid to the NCAA tournament. He said, no, LSU Tigers. And then he was out because that, that's all he's focused on. I bet he probably went home and immediately started breaking down film. I'm not sure if that dude got any sleep last night. No, I, I highly doubt it. Uh, I, I saw Danielle posted that she was going to be the one going to the pool house. I don't know if it's because she was too hype and, and she needed her own space or be, just because Moss was going to come home and just be, you know, up until five in the morning or something. But that that family is so funny and I like how engaging they are with you know the fan base on a, on a daily basis really um Sam Pittman won some points last night as well uh they gave out uh burgers to the students before they went into the arena and then this had to be planned uh once they won the football account tweeted out that was a, a whopper of a win <laughs> it was it was just like you could you could feel Razorback fans around the country just like coming together and there are still you know contrarians out there because the SEC is not as strong this year perhaps um, as in in the past so there are still people who say you know let's 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 cool out, cool down and chill out but Second in the SEC right now, looking very strong, just everything coming together and being able to pull out a win like this. Um, I, I have no problem with people, you know, keeping these high expectations going. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be some fans out there who uh, say, ah, I don't care, you know, show me what you can do in the tournament. And, you know, win, win a couple of games, get to the second weekend, get to the Sweet 16. And I understand that because Arkansas has had some really good regular seasons, you know, since that 96 season. I mean, they had a couple of years under Mike Anderson where they were a very good basketball team and just, you know, got a bad seed or got bad matchup and they just couldn't make it out of the, the first weekend of the tournament. And so Arkansas fans, there are some out there that say, you know what, I don't care what the regular season looks like, just do something in March. And, I don't like to look at it that way because the NCAA tournament can be such a crapshoot because you never know what kind of matchup you're going to get. I mean, the 2015 team was, in my opinion, definitely a Sweet 16 caliber team. They just got matched up with North Carolina in the second round. Uh, there was another year where it was a very good team. They got an eight seed and took North Carolina to the brink, had a couple of bad calls, and suddenly you're at home watching North Carolina make a run to the national championship. Uh, so it, it is such a crapshoot. You have to really enjoy these regular seasons. And this team is so fun to watch. They play an exciting brand of basketball. They score a lot of points. They play great defense. 
Uh, they are, you know, die for loose balls. They, they do all those things that, that make it entertaining to watch. So uh, I encourage all fans, even those that, you know, really only care about postseason success, take a step back and enjoy these last couple of games of the regular season. Enjoy the SEC tournament because uh, this is a, a really, really fun team. You should try to enjoy it while you can. I put together a quick, you know, compilation of all the national praise that the Razorbacks were getting last night. Guys like, you know, uh, John Rothstein, Jeff Borzello, a, a lot of guys who are like patting themselves on the back because they like, I guess, predicted that Eric Musselman would, would do this. But I still think like, as, as much as those guys think they may have known what was going to happen, it's still so, so impressive that he's been able to do it with all these new faces. Like, just you don't think about how hard it is to make sure that your team has all the different pieces that it needs. And then being able to like tailor your strategy to your team's strengths, which we've seen this season. I mean, like they've, they haven't had like one specific identity. They've had to find different ways to win on different nights. Uh, but it's just so impressive when you look at, you know, how he's had to build this roster in one off season. Yeah. And in a COVID off season at that, I mean, you don't even get the full, you know, off season workouts, the normal preseason practices, you know, you had to blow up your non-conference schedule. So you don't get to play teams like Oklahoma and you know, Louisville uh, the Tulsa game got canceled because of COVID. You know, those are games in the non-conference that would challenge you and, and kind of teach you more about your team. And that way you're ready, more ready when conference play rolls around. And then you maybe, maybe you avoid the two and four start. Maybe you can figure things out. Obviously the Justin Smith injury played a part in that, but I also think that the, the struggles were a little bit to do with that. They really hadn't been challenged, you know, Mississippi Valley state and Southern aren't, aren't going to get you ready for SEC play. So uh, I think that, what he's done with all those new pieces, that new roster that you mentioned, in addition to all of the, the obstacles along the way with COVID uh, is just, it, it makes it even more impressive. My favorite uh, national reaction, I can't remember who it was, but they just said, Arkansas is a thing. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's something you just have to recognize at this point. I mean, people, People wanted to, to wait as long as possible to give this team some validity, but it's finally um, happening, and it's, it's going to be so good for recruiting. I mean, um, Eric Musselman, because of the way that he, you know, filters players out, it's not even clear how many, you know, 2022 prospects he'll be able to take, but the way that they're playing is certainly going to have a lot of guys viewing Arkansas like the the blue blood programs even though you know over the last 20 years not a lot of like like huge huge success yeah I think uh, it also helps that the way they're winning is they've got three freshmen playing a huge huge role I mean Moses Moody is a one-and-done lottery pick I think we can all pretty much agree on that now uh, then you throw in you know what Devo Davis has done and, and how Jalen Williams has progressed uh, it's just it's remarkable and, and Eric Musselman made sure to, to point that out last night in the post game you know he mentioned that you know, Alabama is a very very good team because they are loaded with with seniors experienced guys guys that have been in the SEC forever and then you've got Arkansas over here playing three freshmen significant minutes and uh, they were going toe-to-toe -to -toe with those guys and I think that was kind of you know one that was just a true observation but also him kind of speaking it into existence with these uh, and hoping these other recruits will hear it because they're, he's like, hey, you come here, this could be you. We just got done talking about just what an incredible feat last night's victory was over number six, Alabama. But let's talk about how it went down. Um, so the Razorbacks, they got really lucky to start the game. I mean, Alabama couldn't buy an outside shot for anything. So that was perfect, especially because guys like Jalen Williams and Debo Davis got into early foul trouble that forced Eric Musselman to go to his bench uh, and go to his bench in the form of Ethan Henderson, which hasn't really been much of an option so far this season. So uh, he couldn't have asked for a better start to the game for the Hogs. 
Yeah, I mean, there was a about a four-minute stretch at the very beginning of the game where Arkansas didn't make a field goal, and I feel like we've seen that throughout the throughout the season. They've had kind of cold stretches, but despite that, they only were down by two, and so they were able to, to go on a, a quick early run, I think like 11-0 run, something like that, uh, kind of take the lead, and uh, really didn't ever relinquish it until the beginning of the second half. Uh, they got contributions from everybody. I mean, you, you mentioned Ethan Henderson came in, played about seven and a half minutes. Uh, he's not much of an offensive threat. He doesn't really, you know, anytime he touches the ball, it's like, oh, God, what, what's he going to do? Uh, but on the other end of the floor, he is fantastic. I mean, he blocks shots. He gets rebounds. Uh, so it was just, uh, you know, total total team effort. I mean, he, he, he gave them really good minutes when they needed it because Connor Vanover, uh, this was just not his game. Alabama style and everything, it really doesn't fit what Connor Vanover does well uh, he, he played and gave good effort and everything but uh, Ethan Henderson this was more of his style and so when you couldn't go with Jalen uh, might as well stick Ethan in there and I think they were you know, pleasantly surprised with what they got from him. The Hogs really relied on Moses Moody and Jalen Tate in the first half Moody had 10 Tate had 12 uh, Moses Moody got to the line he went five for five from the free throw line in the first half the fouls, we haven't mentioned that yet. Wow, oh, there, were, there were a lot of fouls in that game last night. Do you have the, the final number? I don't remember. Yeah, sh shout out to Doug Shows. Uh, so there were 25 fouls in the first half. Uh, there ended up being 18 on Arkansas and 32 on Alabama. So quick math tells me that is 50. So there were 25 fouls in each half. That's 50. That's more than a foul a minute. For the first seven minutes of the game, they were averaging two fouls a minute. That's on pace for 80. I didn't know if they were going to have enough dudes to finish playing the game. I thought they were going to end up having Nate Oates and Eric Musselman out there playing or something. It was uh, not the most pleasing thing in the world because there were just so many fouls. At some point, you got to let them play a little bit. The Razorbacks were lucky, though, because a lot of the fouls committed on them were shooting fouls or they had already reached the bonus so they could get to the line anyways. Uh, but they did miss uh, quite a few free throws last night. They were, they were uh, just 62% uh, on the night as a whole. So if that game had been closer there at the end, I think we would have heard a lot more about the poor – performance from the free throw line uh, but I know a lot of Alabama fans and this is hilarious because in football Alabama doesn't get called on anything and then last night um, a lot of calls going against the tide yeah and I really don't even think it was that bad of like you know oh the refs were out to get Alabama no I no think it, was, it was truly just the style of play Arkansas had made a concerted effort to drive to the basket and, you know, pounded the ball inside. Uh, and that, you know, led to fouls and free throws. Whereas you had Alabama, their style is to shoot threes. I mean, they took 33 three-pointers in the game. And when you're firing up threes like that, you usually don't get fouled. Now, Arkansas got fouled on a couple of threes. Uh, that was just kind of bad discipline on Alabama's part. And that's something that Nate Oates said after the game, you know, he said that a lot of it is they were fouling, that they just needed to play with better discipline. And uh, sometimes you have games like that. But it was a huge, huge discrepancy. I mean, 32 to 18 in terms of fouls and 43 attempts to eight attempts in terms of free throws. Alabama only took two free throws in the second half, and they were with a minute and one second left, and it was because of the uh, technical foul on Jalen Tate that got him ejected. So uh, – Pretty, pretty incredible job by Arkansas to keep Alabama off the free throw line. Yeah, I would have to go and look, but I would imagine that's one of the fewest times to the free throw line this season for them, even though they do play a lot, you know, outside of the arc. So it was, it was also just massive to get the Tide in foul trouble early. Uh, it just limited, you know, how much their stars could be on the court early, therefore, you know, helping Arkansas because the Alabama did catch up to, uh, you know, one point deficit at halftime. So they did start to get momentum, but they couldn't have uh, their stars on the floor quite as much uh, in in that first half. Yeah, Shackelford picked up three fouls in the first half. 
Uh, he, he only played 21 minutes. He's one of their studs. Uh, I'm pretty sure – I want to say it was Petty that picked up his third foul uh, with, like, eight seconds into the second half. Jones uh, had a lot as well. Yeah, Jones only played 24 minutes. You know, Bruner 22. Primo, another starter, only played 19. So, I mean, they really had to go into their bench. And, uh, you know, because of that foul trouble, I mean, they, they, I mean, they ended up having – uh, three guys fell out. Another guy had four fouls, and a bunch of other guys had you know several more. So I mean, it was it was quite the uh, quite the foul fest, and, and luckily for Arkansas, it really benefited them uh, more so than Alabama. Justin Smith only had one point in the first half, and then he was able to get going with several dunks in the second half and those just massive momentum plays. But, you know, whenever he's not contributing on, you know, the point section of the stat sheet, he is always contributing to getting Arkansas's rebounds, and he had 12 last night, you know, a team high. And not just that, but he also plays great defense. I think that gets kind of overlooked because he really doesn't show up in the box score. Uh, yeah, you can get a steal here or there, but that that's not always, you know, great defense. And I may, I kind of watched him for a little bit last night, kind of focused on him. And it was just really impressive what he was able to do defensively. Uh, and, you know, he's very versatile. He can guard multiple positions. Uh, so, yeah, he, his, his presence was extremely important. I mean, he played 39 minutes in that first matchup when Arkansas lost by 31 to Alabama. It was his first game back. Uh, he came back in about a week earlier than expected, and he only played 17 minutes. And I, I really don't think he was that effective or anywhere close to being healthy enough to really contribute. Uh, so I think his presence made a huge, huge impact. Uh, ended up notching, I believe, his third double-double of the season, you know, 11 points, 12 rebounds. Moses Moody had 24 points, but he was 3 of 12 from the field. So the the – majority of his points was from the free throw line and he just kept attacking and attacking and of course he had that big four-point play when they fouled him at the three-point line so just Moses doing Moses things yeah 19 free throws in an SEC game that's the third most my Arkansas player uh, ever uh, behind I think Corliss Williamson shot 22 and I think Mason Jones had a 21 free throw attempt and then right there behind them is uh is is Moses Moody so pretty pretty good company there uh he was very efficient at the free throw line which is what you want to see and even though he was you know as you said three of 12 from the field you know we asked him someone asked him about that after the game and he said that you know some of those were you know threes that rattled in and then popped out or some of them were, were layups that rolled around the rim three times and then popped out he said that in his mind he treats those as makes so in his mind he wasn't three of 12. He was seven of 12 and he felt really good and he's still confident and everything. It didn't really shake his confidence. I thought that was a really kind of interesting uh, perspective uh, for a guy to, to have, you know, even though you don't get officially the points or the credit for the shot, uh, you still feel good because in your mind you did make it. No. Yeah. I totally, I totally get that. It's, I think that you have to be that way. As long as you know, you took a good shot you know, don't lose confidence because you're going to need to take that shot again for sure. Um, J.D. Note, he had 12 points in uh, just, what, 16 minutes? So another big night for J.D. Note. I mean, he's he's always trying to get those points, but um, in that few of minutes is very impressive. Yeah, and, and it wasn't like he went out there and shot 16 times in 16 minutes. I mean, he was four of nine. Uh, two of four from three-point range. That is that is efficient numbers, especially for a guy like him who has never seen a shot he didn't like. So uh, that was something that Eric Musselman kind of praised him for after the game was that he's he's kind of understanding his role and he thinks he's only going to get better as time goes on because uh, he's still kind of learning how to be a point guard. Uh, so I, I, I think it was a, a very good kind of performance by JD. I, I think it's been a little bit since we've seen him have a a game like that where he's, you know, impacted the game with, you know, making a couple of big threes, driving to the basket, getting tough layups, getting to the free throw line. Uh, so overall, a, a nice, nice game by JD. You, you know, pulled out the stat book for that 19 free throws on Moses Moody, but Jalen Tate, he had everyone, you know, 
going to hog stats asking him you know about the two technicals and when was the last time someone had two techs i tweeted that i kind of liked his um his talking back or whatever it's just i think arkansas needs someone like that on the team someone who's going to be willing to like show some fire obviously not if it's a situation where you could potentially lose the game but if you feel like you know you're being disrespected or whatever like I have no problem with a guy like standing up for his teammates yeah and I really don't get the technical fouls that were called on him because yeah I didn't see it very closely the first one was a double tech and I I even asked Twitter I said did the broadcast show what happened and and everyone was like they weren't even like close to each other they were talking but who I mean as long as it's not you know just horrible vulgar whatever let it let it be it's trash talk someone definitely threw the b word around yeah I mean this is basketball I mean come on it's not let, let let them talk a little bit I mean as long as they're not getting physical or right up in each other's face don't call anything um, so that, that was weird. And then also at the very end of the game, whenever he got a second technical and got ejected, uh, apparently Moses Moody wanted to make this very clear. We had actually already wrapped up his press conference and, uh, us sports writers were kind of starting to talk amongst ourselves and Moses was still sitting there and someone had mentioned, uh, Jalen getting ejected and, and Moses was like, Hey, hang on, hang on. Can I say something, something else? And we're like, yeah, sure. And he said, uh, that, Jalen was not talking to the Alabama, wasn't talking to Petty, wasn't talking to the Alabama bench. He was talking to JD. He was saying something to JD. That's what it looked like. And and I guess the referee got confused and was just like, all right, we're going to eject you. I don't know. I don't know who it was. I would guess it was probably Doug Shouse because that dude, he, he thinks you're there to watch him. He doesn't think you're there to watch the the two basketball teams. Uh, so it, it, he just kind of had to take control and remind everybody that, hey, he is the referee and uh, look at what he can do. I think it's possible, you know, even if Jalen's talking to JD, but saying like that guy's a beep, beep, whatever, I think maybe the ref could still, you know, call him on that. But um, it's just talking. Yeah, it's just talking. Just, as long as you're not like, as I said, getting up in a guy's face where, you know, you're yelling and, like, you got spit going everywhere and everything like that, or, you know, bumping or anything like that, let it be. Let it be. Uh, Devo Davis had had four fouls, so he had to, uh, you know, only play, what, like, 19 minutes so not a huge night for for him but he still got five points the freshman that had the breakout game last night was definitely Jalen Williams career high 13 points along with eight rebounds a couple charges taken and a ridiculous plus minus of 30 last night on on 22 minutes played I don't even know how that works that's that's impressive. I mean, these these freshmen, if you really track the plus minus every game, and I, I do, uh, the freshmen have been have posted some crazy numbers like that throughout the year. Although I don't know if uh, anyone's had a plus thirty in twenty two minutes. I know Devo had a game like that where it was like plus twenty seven or something like that. That was incredible. Um, but. Uh, yeah, that that was that was he was very impressive, and the, I think the most impressive thing about that is is Jalen has been a, a very solid player throughout you know SEC play, especially of late. But it's usually not on the offensive end. Uh, he's usually grabbing rebounds, playing really good defense, you know, even maybe passing the ball. Uh, he's just not been a scorer. Uh, but then after after Alabama made its little seven zero run to start the second half, took a six point lead. Eric Mussman called a timeout with about 18 minutes left. And as soon as they came out of that timeout, they started feeding Jalen Williams on the block. And he immediately got three buckets uh, and ended up scoring like 10 points during that 17-2 run that really kind of took control of the game for Arkansas and just was, a, was an offensive weapon for them. And 13 points, uh, career high. That, that's, uh, that was an impressive you know, breakout performance from an offensive standpoint. And then he also grabbed – eight rebounds, all of which came in the last 15 minutes of the game. So I remember looking, looking down at the stat sheet when he grabbed his first one and saying, wow, that's his first rebound of the game. And then I look at it again after the game, and I'm like, holy cow, he's got eight. So it was, uh, it was impressive.
Yeah, he was boxing out really well. And you have to give credit to, you know, Muss and the staff because they saw the mismatch that they had with Primo and they had Jalen, you know, back to the basket, turnaround jumper. Like, it was just a really good situation for Williams. And it just gives the staff even more confidence that they can start to trust this guy on the offensive end as well. Um, Hutch. LSU is coming up. Uh, Arkansas had a really bad game against them, but they have come a long way since that point. Um, and I just don't think it's like a, a really, you know, helpful thing to look back at that game. Um, but I think Arkansas has as good a shot of any at home uh, to get to nine straight. Yeah, the, the Razorback Revenge Tour rolls on. Uh, you know, they already took out Missouri. After having that poor performance, they've taken out Alabama after an atrocious performance, and now they're going to try to to make up uh, for their atrocious performance in Baton Rouge earlier in the year. Uh, I mean, it was it was bad. I mean, it it only ended up being like a 16 point margin, you know, 92-76, uh, but it was much much worse than that. It might have been worse uh, than the Alabama game at one point because they gave up like a. I can't remember the exact numbers, but during the first half, there was like a 45-4 to four run or something just absolutely crazy. And it was just – it was bad. It was bad, bad, bad. But, again, that was without Justin Smith. Uh, you know, that was the last game he missed. Uh, you still had the freshmen. They were still really early in their career. You know, J- Devo Davis went one of 11 from the floor. Uh, you know, he, he didn't exactly, uh, you know, kind of know his role at that time. Uh, you know, Jalen Williams had a good game. He had 10, 10 boards uh, to go with uh, seven points. And that was one of the – he was one of the two guys that Eric Musselman said actually played worth the darn in that game along with Moses Moody. Uh, so I, I feel like they're going to be prepared and fired up. You know, the only concern is, is like, do they, do they kind of rest on the laurels and say, hey, we just beat the number six team in the country. We're great. Look at us. And then go lay an egg. We've seen that in the past at Arkansas, uh, but I don't think Eric Musselman will allow that to happen. Arkansas is already ranked number 20 in the country. Let's say they beat LSU. How high do you think they can get in next week's AP poll? Yeah, I need to look and see what the other teams have done that are in front of them, but I think beating the number six team in the country and then beating another quality team in LSU, you know, if they do it, I think they're, I think you're looking at top 15 and I'm not sure the last time Arkansas was top 15. You might have to go back to the 90s for that one because uh, I think they got up to number 18 whenever uh, in that Portis Falls year of 2015. I think that's the highest they've been in a long time. So uh, that would be very, very exciting, you know, going into the last week of the regular season, which makes it even more exciting. It's not like they're, you know, cracking the top 15 in December. I mean, who cares at that point? Uh, that would be the first poll of March. And uh, that, that, that should get you excited. Hutch, Arkansas Sports Writer of the Year, baseball, know-it-all. The Razorbacks are already pushing up in every single ranking out there after wins over TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas. What were your takeaways after this weekend? I mean, anytime you can win three straight games at a tournament like that where you're playing three high high quality teams in Texas Tech, Texas and TCU. That is a a very good weekend and and to open the season like that uh was incredible. But I think as as far as more specific observations and takeaways, it's got to be the pitching staff. Uh that was one of my bigger concerns going into the year. Uh, I I thought that they had lots of options. Uh but you know the old adage in football is is if you have two quarterbacks you don't have one. I was a little bit concerned if, if you've got eight starters, do you have three? Uh, turns out they really do have eight um, based on what we saw just on the first weekend. I mean, the, the three starters were, were very good. They, they only went four, four-plus innings because uh, they were on pitch counts. But, I mean, Zebulon Vermillion, Peyton Paulette, and uh, Lyle Lockhart were, were fantastic. But you also had tremendous bullpen uh, outings. You know, uh, Caleb Bolden threw four hitless innings against Texas to earn a save. That has got him a spot in the rotation this weekend. He's actually starting Thursday's game. Uh, so that, that was huge. 
Uh, you also got, you know, Jackson Wiggins made his highly anticipated debut in the third game, and all he did was strike out the side on 15 pitches while pumping 98 miles an hour. Uh, so that was, that was really impressive. And we didn't even see Connor Nolan and Patrick Wicklander. I mean, two guys that were in the rotation last year, two guys that ended the 2019 season that, when they made it to Omaha in the starting rotation uh, as true freshmen. So that just kind of speaks to the depth that they have right now. They've got so many arms. I mean, there's, there are quality arms that are not going to get to pitch nearly the innings uh, that they would, would in a normal year just because there's so many better arms out there and that are going to eat up those innings. How'd the bats look? They were okay. You know, the, the Texas Tech gang, you know, they did manage to score, uh, uh, I guess it was 13 runs. Uh, but that was a wild, wild, wild game where uh, I think they scored, they scored four runs via wild pitches. They scored another run via a balk. Uh, then they had uh, a bases loaded walk. They had an error following one of those wild pitches that scored a run. And they also had a sack fly. So, I mean, they really didn't, you know, I mean, I, I can't remember who it was. Someone had like an RBI double or something like that. It's, there were some clutch hits. I think Jalen Battles uh, had, a, had some clutch hits like that, that that actually drove in some runs the traditional way. But really it was Texas Tech collapsing on itself with so many wild pitches. I mean, I would expect that if they were playing Tennessee Tech or, you know, Abilene Christian or something like that but uh, to see Texas Tech the number three team in the country go out and do that that was a little strange uh, but as far as the next two games the bats did just enough I mean Brady Slavens showed you why he was a Juco national player of the year last year uh, he he hit a had an RBI single to give him a one nothing lead and then hit a three-run bomb uh, at a place that's not exactly the easiest to hit a home run at in Globe Life Field uh, so that, that gave you all four of your runs you needed against Texas because they couldn't hit, uh, only had two hits. And then, of course, TCU only had two hits. They, they were able to scratch across a run, but Arkansas, it took them seven innings, but they finally got the bats going in that game. And uh, Christian Franklin, really quiet all weekend, uh, really rough first game, golden sombrero with four strikeouts. Uh, but then he started to hit the ball hard, just right at people. And then finally, in his last at-bat of the weekend, he hits, a, hits it to the gap and gets an RBI triple to tie the game Then ends up scoring on an RBI single, I want to say by Colin Smith, uh, to give Arkansas the lead. And then Casey Opitz had a RBI or two-run double, something like that, uh, that gave Arkansas some insurance runs and that. So they had, they had some timely hitting, uh, but the team batting average as a whole was not near as good as maybe people expected, myself included. I think they had like 237 or something like that. Very – very low for a lineup that is so deep. Uh, but it is worth noting they didn't have Matt Goodhart this weekend. He had a medical issue, uh, stomach issues is what Dave Van Horn called him. And he uh, should hopefully be back for the SEMO series. Found, sounds like he'll be back for a couple of games at least. Uh, that should help the lineup a little bit. But it, it, was, it was a little bit disappointing from the bats, but you really don't got to do too much whenever your pitching staff throws two consecutive two hitters. One of my favorite developments over the past couple of years has been like the snarky, sassy uh, social media managers for these teams in college sports. I know after the sweep, Arkansas tweeted out like Texas is under new management. It was it was hilarious. And I know that Arkansas fans above all love beating schools from Texas. So a really, really well done performance this weekend to push Arkansas up the rankings. Where are they in your composite poll? I know they are now number two in D1 baseball, which is usually the one a lot, a lot of people like to cite, but where are they overall? Yeah, D1 baseball does a good job, and so having them at number two is, is a pretty big deal. And, and honestly, I saw where Kendall Rogers had tweeted uh, that they were also looking at putting them at number one. So that was uh, – Pretty, pretty cool to see. But as far as the composite poll goes, they were tied for fourth. Uh, but I also think it's note, noteworthy, uh, worthy to note uh, that uh, a couple of the polls, this was a weird week because Arkansas, the, the tournament in Arlington was supposed to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like a traditional baseball series. But all the weather that happened last week in Dallas, they pushed it back a day. 
and they started on Saturday, which means they finished on Monday. Well, usually polls come out on Monday, and I think Baseball America and Collegiate Baseball still publish theirs on Monday when uh, Arkansas had still only played two games. And then uh, D1 Baseball, uh, Perfect Game, these other polls waited until after Monday to release them. So I think that kind of skews the polls this week. It's a little bit kind of a weird week. I think it'll kind of return to normal next week. Uh, but it was a uh, interesting, a, a very solid week for Arkansas because I mean, they, were, they were number 12 in the composite poll in the preseason because there were a couple of polls that had them like 20th and 22nd, 14th, and the other ones had them at number eight. Well, now they're consensus top six, and that, that includes Baseball America having them at number six. They'd probably be in the top five had they waited for the uh, results of the TCU game. So uh, can't, can't, can't ask for much more than that, the top five right now. Uh, the D1 baseball poll had Ole Miss as the number one team. I imagine uh, with, you know, your flow sports access, you watched some of the Rebels this weekend. What, what did they look like? Uh, is, this, is this, you know, rearing up to be another year where Arkansas and, and Ole Miss are, you know, a big rivalry? Yeah, I mean, the SEC West is loaded because, I mean, Mississippi State also had a really good weekend. I mean, they went two and one. And they were the only SEC team to lose down there, uh, but still a really good weekend. And Ole Miss is, is so good. I mean, they were really good last year. I know Ole Miss fans were just absolutely devastated uh, that the season got canceled because they had all the makings of a team that could make it to Omaha and make a deep run. However, the old adage is, you know, Omaha, Ole Miss at home again uh, because they, they have traditionally struggled in the postseason. But they do have all the pieces. They have some really good pitchers. Uh, they can swing the bat. Uh, they, they just – they win games. They're veterans. And it's, it's going to be – SC West is going to be a beast this year. Uh, they, there are going to be no easy weekends. I mean, even Alabama. Alabama's picked last in the West and uh, has traditionally struggled in baseball. But they have arguably one of the best pitchers in the league starting for him on Friday night that's going to give him a chance to win every time he's on the mound. So uh, no easy weekends in the SEC. The Razorbacks get Matt Goodhart back, like you mentioned, for this weekend's series against SEMO. It's a, it's a four-game series. It starts uh, today, Thursday. So um, by the time you hear this, that first game might already be over. Uh, but what's your prediction for these four games Um you know, from the, from the season predictions that you put out last week? Yeah, before the season, I predicted Arkansas to go 4-0 uh, this week. I, I think that they are capable and are talented enough that they should be able to beat a team like SEMO. Uh, however, after seeing what SEMO did on opening weekend, they went down to South Alabama and took two of three. And you, know, you may be thinking, oh, South Alabama, what's that mean? Well, South Alabama has a very good baseball program. Uh, they've got a preseason All-American on their team. Uh, so they they are a good good quality team, and to go on the road and beat a team like that, two out of three, uh, is saying something. And plus, Simo has a lefty ace that's going to be pitching Thursday uh, today that is is pretty good. That, that might have you know, Arkansas is going to have its hands full with him. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost the game, but I still think they at least win three of the four games. So on Saturday there is baseball. And basketball, I believe the basketball game is on ESPN2. And then for baseball, you can watch all four games um, with the Watch ESPN app, correct? Correct. Yeah, SEC Network Plus, which means you just got to stream them. From what I am hearing, the Razorbacks are looking to make a big splash with their 2022 class in March. And it's kind of a great time because there's not a lot happening with the football team and then you're gonna have you know big moments hopefully with the baseball team and the basketball team so everyone needs to get ready it that would be fantastic I mean it would be the perfect time to sign up for hogbeat.com because we're <laughs> going to be all over it I'll be covering baseball like no other you're going to be covering recruiting like no other and we're both going to be tag team in basketball and uh, if you know, they hopefully make a, make a run in the tournament, uh, should, should be fun and, and baseball gearing up, as you said, it, it's going to be a, uh, exciting week. It's or exciting month. It sounds like. I've put in a couple new future cast picks and then there are a couple I'm feeling 
really good about. Arkansas has, you know, four commits in this 2022 class, um, two in-staters, a center from South Carolina, and now a running back from Georgia who is a four-star. He did drop a little bit in the rivals 250 but he's still uh one of the best all-purpose backs in the nation so fear not razorback fans he's he's still highly regarded um but one of my future cast picks went in for his teammate joshua white who is a defensive end uh he's got georgia and ohio state also in his top six but from the you know digging around that i could do like there's not a lot of pressure coming from those programs to get him on board. So uh, his relationship with Jimmy Smith is really working in Arkansas's favor. They already have one defensive lineman with JJ Hollingsworth, but defensive line especially is a position I think they need to have a really good class. Uh, not super sure how the young guys on this team are going to develop. That's it would help if we were able to see them in practice, but we can't. So we'll just have to see when we get some, you know, info out of spring ball and everything. But uh, Joshua White, he looks like a, a developmental type player, but really physically strong. Um, and I like uh, his toughness. His motor could be a little bit better. He could be a little quicker off the line. Um, his technique could be a little bit better, but still a guy like you don't get, Ohio State offers for nothing and you're not an in-state Georgia prospect if you know the the Bulldogs don't really think you have it even if they're not like jumping to to bring him on board so I like the the Razorbacks judgment there and I said he's Dubinian's teammate so that helps the Hogs as well um two of my other picks that I'm feeling really good about uh Andrew Chambly and James Jointer the offensive lineman from uh, Maumel and, you know, the running back from Parkview. Both of those guys are getting closer to decisions. The NCAA pushed back the dead period um, all the way until June 1st. So uh, these kids were hoping and holding out, thinking, you know, maybe I can take some official visits this summer. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen until way, way on. So I know the staff is putting pressure on these guys. So I think March, you know, could spell a couple more in-state commits for the Hogs and, and two guys that are pretty highly regarded as like the top in their position in the state. Um, and then the third guy who I, uh, fourth guy who I talked to this past week is Faison Wilson, who is a four-star rivals top 250 wide receiver. Um, he played at Lancaster these past few years. Doesn't have a lot on the stat sheet. From what I understand, you know, Lancaster is a very talented program. Uh, they tend to be more run heavy. He does have a, a wide receiver teammate that had a good amount of yards, so not totally sure why Wilson didn't get the ball as much as he could. But the analysts who see him at seven on seven tournaments, they absolutely love him. So, um, We'll just have to take their word for it at this point. But he's transferring to Duncanville, another Texas football powerhouse. So he'll get a chance to, you know, show what he can do uh, and maybe improve on that. He told me he, you know, he wants to get 800, 900 yards. That might be ambitious at Duncanville. They could, you know, they're practically going to send their entire starting uh, units on both sides to D1 programs over the next couple of years. So really talented team, but I admire his ambition to try to get there. His other top two um, are Alabama and Ole Miss. And when I talk to him, sounds like he has the best relationship with Arkansas right now and Kenny Guyton, but with Alabama, you never know. He might try to hold out and see what happens. He told me he's looking for a team that's going to stick, you know, continue communication, you know, show some loyalty to them. And I think the Razorbacks are willing to put in that effort for a four-star wide receiver. And it would be huge for Guyton, who hasn't had one of those in his career, obviously, coming from, you know, Colorado State, Houston, those programs just don't get four stars.
Yeah, I mean, that, that was one of the biggest kind of things we talked about whenever he was hired was that that was going to be a concern. He doesn't have a track record like Justin Stepp does, uh, but this would be a great, solid step in the right direction. And, you know, if he can develop the guys that he has and, you know, he can point to, hey, look at Traylon Burks. He's a first-round pick, and I coached him. You know, it may have just been for one year, and you didn't recruit him, but, hey, you can take credit for it. And then it kind of builds, and you, you're, you're able to kind of get more – uh, looks from from legitimate you know NFL type prospects so uh, that that would be huge if he can get that four star right now even before uh, coaching a, a down at Arkansas so that would be huge and then also uh, if if Jimmy Smith can build a pipeline to that school with Dominion and White then uh, I think it's time to start talking about a pay raise because uh, that 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 school produces some good good quality players. That's where Jimmy Smith coached uh, before he broke into the college ranks. So that would be, that would be huge if Arkansas could build a pipeline there uh, and uh, Arkansas fans should be hoping that's the case. And I hadn't uh, mentioned this last week. I did talk about the, that Cedar Grove connection last week, but I hadn't realized that they have also offered a four-star wide receiver on that team as well. Uh, and Jimmy Smith has been in good contact with him, even though Guyton, uh, not so much at this point. So, uh, yeah, it's a really, really good program to have connections to. And all those players there, they still remember Coach Smith, even if they weren't on, on varsity, like they – they still knew him from playing on JV. Um, getting Jointer, I think, would be huge. That kind of wraps up uh, your running back class. Uh, and then getting a four-star wide receiver would really help Arkansas with their case for quarterbacks. Because uh, right now, you know, we've had some guys drop off the board, commit to other programs like A&M, Auburn. Um, but they are making good progress with a four-star dual threat out of Georgia, MJ Morris, who is, you know, working on scheduling a, a virtual visit with the Hogs. So the more pieces that you can show a quarterback, uh, the more excited they might be uh, to join in the class. Uh, but Morris will be a tough one. He's got a lot of attention from a lot of good schools, Tennessee, Florida, um, Alabama, uh, Tennessee is likely about to lose out on like a five-star in their state uh, to either Alabama or Clemson. So once that happens, they might turn the pressure up on Morris uh, a little bit more. So, you know, we'll have all these updates, uh, constantly hearing info. So you'll want a premium subscription because while it's like, you know, nice to write about all this stuff, these little tidbits, like these are constantly updating things so you'll you'll want to be on the message board to read everything as it happens everybody thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hogbeat hour uh you know follow hutch on twitter he's going to be out at bomb walker uh, we'll have updates from the lsu game and all the content after the game so uh go subscribe use code h-a-w-g-s 30 for 30 days free uh, and, you know, follow us on social media. Have a fantastic weekend.